Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. Well, before I begin my meditation this morning, I'd like to take a brief moment to recognize uh, an honored guest in our congregation this morning, the Reverend Dr. Otis Moss, Jr. Pastor Moss is uh, the pastor emeritus of Olivet Institutional Baptist Church in Cleveland. He's the former regional director of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and the former co-pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, where he served with Reverend Martin Luther King, Sr. Dr. Moss, no doubt you are a prophet of God's beloved community, and we are honored by your presence here this morning. Welcome back to Fairmount. Now, honestly, I didn't know that Pastor Moss was going to be here until he called me early this morning, but soon enough you'll know why I say to you now it is the work of the Holy Spirit that he is here today. This third Sunday in Advent, we turn our eyes and our ears and our hearts to love a value that's at the very core of our faith tradition and our scripture. Paul says that faith, hope, and love remain, and the greatest of these is love. First John says that we are called to love because God first loved us. And Jesus teaches us that all the law and all the prophets hang on two commandments, to love God and to love our neighbors. So I want to start with a simple question about love. Are you for love? Do you stand for love? Go ahead, stand up or raise a hand if you can't stand. Stand up if you want to be on the side of love, to be part of creating a church, a community, a world that is saturated with love. Okay, good. So you want love. Now, one more question. Stay standing or stand back up if, if you'd say, I want power. Stand up if you say, I want more power. Everyone for love and just a few people for power. Okay, you all can go ahead and sit down. The few you left. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the relationship between these two things, between love and power. And I want to begin by telling you where I was this past Tuesday night. I was sitting in the crowded sanctuary of Pastor Moss's church, Olivet Institutional Baptist Church near 89th and Quincy. And in the pews beside me were nearly 20 other Fairmounters, including the ones who lit the Advent candles today. And the entire sanctuary was packed with hundreds of people from faith communities all around our area. Now, our bodies may have been present in that sanctuary, but our hearts were someplace else. They were a few blocks east at the corner of 93rd and Quincy, where more than 100 kids were being held in custody at the Cuyahoga County Juvenile Detention Center awaiting trial. And the fate of those kids was the very reason for our gathering. 
The meeting on Tuesday night was organized by Greater Cleveland Congregations, or GCC for short. A nonpartisan coalition of more than 30 congregations, including Fairmount and Olivet, congregations that stretch across Cleveland, across denominations and faith traditions. The mission of GCC is to unite people across the lines of race, class, religion, and geography to build power for social justice. It's a grassroots, democratic organization, meaning that the justice issues that we work on together are decided collectively. And one of the issues that we have collectively committed to right now is to curb the use of discretionary bindovers in Cuyahoga County. Bindover is a legal term. It describes when a minor under 18 is charged as an adult. In other words, they are bound over or transferred from juvenile court into the adult court system. Bindover hearings add months to the judicial process, meaning while the detention center is only meant to house these youth for a few days or a few weeks, some end up being there for six months or eight months or longer while this slow legal process unfolds. Sometimes bindovers are mandatory, meaning that by law, a judge must consider whether to transfer, transfer a minor's case. Most of the time, though, they are discretionary, meaning that the, pro- the county prosecutor files a motion to treat the child as an adult. But in every case, it's up to the juvenile judge to decide whether to send a child to face charges in adult court and to potentially serve a sentence in an adult prison. Now, you may think that bindovers would only occur very rarely, But in the past 10 years, nearly 700 minors have been charged as adults in our county. And in the last five years, the number of bindovers has more than doubled here. Things get worse when you compare us to other counties across Ohio. Last year, we led the state with nearly 100 bindovers. The next highest, Hamilton County, where Cincinnati is located, had 23. In other words, four times as many children were tried as adults in Cuyahoga. In fact, if you add up the bindovers in Hamilton, Franklin, Montgomery, and Summit counties, the next four highest counties in the state after ours, Cuyahoga County had more bindovers than all of them combined. And worse yet, these bindovers expose the systemic racism in our community. Nationally, about 50% of youth tried in adult courts are black. In Ohio, where black children represent 14% of the population under 18, they make up 80% of the bindovers. And in Cuyahoga County, 94% of children transferred to adult court are black. On Tuesday night, We also heard testimony from people who have been directly impacted by bindovers, including a teenage boy named T.H., who said in part, My bindover hearing woke me up in many ways because it was like I had no voice or input in these proceedings that pertain to my life. 
I also felt strongly that the entire thing was rehearsed or like the decision of me being bound over as an adult was already decided before the hearing started. During the entire process, I was portrayed as a ruthless animal and not once asked how I felt during the whole thing before getting the news that I would be transferred to the county jail and tried as an adult. My experience on Tuesday night stirred something up within me. I felt moved to do something. And I decided that if I was going to take meaningful action to confront this injustice, I needed to learn. I needed a better understanding of the lives of the youth in the detention center, to have some sense of who they are and what they're facing. And so the following day, on Wednesday, I drove over to the juvenile court with the intention of sitting in on one of the court proceedings for an hour or two to observe. But they turned me away. It turns out the court isn't open to the public. And so instead, I took the elevator up to the fifth floor to the public defender's office where they welcomed me. There I met with attorneys and social workers who fight for these kids every day. And for an hour, they shared their experiences with me about the kids in the detention center, about their lives before being locked up and their life inside, about how things often go in the courtroom, about what is broken in the system and what they'd like to change. And at the end of our conversation, they invited me back the next day, not to observe the kids in the court, but to watch them on the court, the basketball court. You didn't see that coming, did you? Because the next day happened to be the championship game of the Juvenile Detention Center's Basketball League. And so on Thursday afternoon, I returned as a guest of the public defender, and we watched the game together. And do you know what I witnessed there? I saw kids playing basketball. I saw kids being kids for a moment while we cheered them on with cowbells that they had handed out to us and shot confetti cannons at the end of the game. And it, for a moment, for a moment, it seemed like real joy for them. But as they walked off that court, it didn't escape me that they would be back in another court soon enough, feeling scared and alone. Some of the kids I watched in the basketball game on Thursday will likely be released in the days and weeks ahead with probation. Others will receive juvenile sentences and serve time in a juvenile prison. But the odds are that at least a couple of them will face a bind-over hearing and may end up serving time in an adult prison. And it breaks my heart to think about that. These kids deserve to be kids. They deserve to be loved. They deserve justice. But there can be no love, no justice without power. And that's precisely the message that's at the heart of Mary's Magnificat, where she boldly sings that God's power is used to do justice. 
Beginning at verse 52, Mary sings, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. The first words in that verse, he has shown strength with his arm. That's a poetic way of saying that God has used God's power to do this justice. Kratos, the Greek root word that is at the uh, center of the operative noun in this verse, is most generically translated as power. So by God's power, the oppressed have been lifted up, and by God's power, the hungry have been fed. You may remember a couple of weeks ago, I stood up here when we read the story of the Annunciation, and I said that Protestants can be a little allergic to talking about Mary. Well, you know what? We're a little allergic to talking about power, too, I think. Power talk can make us uneasy. We are uncomfortable to admit that we have power or that we want power. And that's why almost all of you sat down when I asked if you want more power, right? You knew it was a trick, but you didn't know how to get out of it. But what if we try to change the way that we understand power? What if instead of seeing power as something that all good Christians should avoid seeking or even desiring, what if instead we saw power as a vehicle for love and justice? On August 16, 1967, Pastor Moss's dear friend, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., spoke to a crowd gathered at the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in Atlanta. And there he said, One of the great problems of history is that the concepts of love and power have usually been contrasted as opposites, polar opposites. So that love is identified with a resignation of power and power with a denial of love. But Dr. King said this is a misunderstanding of the gospel. He said that what is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive. And that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. Friends, the kind of power that we're uncomfortable with is power without love. It's power that is reckless and abusive. We're afraid of it for good reason. We've seen too many examples of its abuse in our history and in our own lives, and yes, even in our church. But the answer to abusive power is not to relinquish the power we have or to suppress any desire to have power. No, the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. The kind of power that we should seek and practice is love implementing the demands of justice. Power itself is not good or bad. It isn't wrong to want power. In reality, power is nothing more than the ability to create the change we want to see in the world. 
Mary celebrates God's power to change things for those who have been pushed around by the abusive power of others. She celebrates a power that is love implementing the demands of God's justice. It's a power that God has already exercised to bring about this justice and also a power that is promised to be made manifest in a new way through the child in her womb. Mary's Magnificat is a promise and a challenge to all of us who call ourselves Christians. That by the power of Christ that dwells within us, together we can reveal God's beloved community where there is love and justice for all. And let me tell you, there is work to be done. And so I want to know, are you in? I want to know, are you in? I want to know, will you roll up your sleeves and will you do the work of God's justice? <laughs> so stand up. If you are already a member working, hold on. I know everyone wants to stand up now. If you are already working on the team here at Fairmount that works with Greater Cleveland Congregations, please stand up. Or if you are willing to consider working with that team and doing that justice, please stand. Everyone say, hallelujah. Stand up if you are willing to sign a petition to end the abuse of discretionary bindovers in Cuyahoga County. Stand up. Hallelujah. Stand up if you're willing to talk to three to five friends and neighbors about discretionary bindovers in our community. Stand up. Hallelujah. Stand up if you are ready to claim your power, a power that is love implementing the demands of justice. Stand up. Now pray with me. God of power and might, by your strong arm, you feed the hungry and you lift up the oppressed. And if we here at Fairmount are part of the body of Christ, then let us be your strong arm, O God. Today we give you thanks, God, for the ministry of greater Cleveland congregations, and we affirm our commitment to building power with our neighbors to do your justice, because justice is what love looks like in public. And we make a pledge today to the youth in the Cuyahoga County Juvenile Detention Center that we will keep going Keep doing our part until your justice rolls down like waters. God bless those from this congregation who lead our work with GCC. Let those who may be feeling called to join in leading this work for our church feel the tug of your spirit on their hearts. And God, send the mighty strength of your love and your grace to the youth who at this very hour are sitting in the detention center less than three miles from here. God, hear this prayer a prayer that echoes the words of Jesus and Dr. King, that we have decided to stick with love, for we know that love is ultimately the only answer to our problems. May we share your love everywhere we go, not a sentimental and anemic love, but a strong, demanding love. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. 
Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.